Welcome to the Dead Format, episode 116. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined tonight by the Cam Newton to my Charlie Hoyer, Thomas Smiley, and we're talking about Legacy. Yep, because I haven't showed up for the last few months. I'm just kidding. It's just been, <laughs> just been a week. Man, this sucks. Hoyer is fucking terrible. And now I know what it's like to be a Jets fan. Just <laughs> watching this football game, going like, if you were any good, we, we'd have a shot at this game right now. <laughs> Bro, you remember Ryan Mallett? I do. I was on a flight with him when he was a Patriot, right after they drafted uh, Garoppolo and they were going to trade Mallett. And they got like a second round pick for him or something. I want to say the Texans. But I was on a flight with him. I think it was a flight to Miami. And uh, he's enormous, bro. He's like one of the biggest humans I've ever seen in real life. Yeah, he, he was like 6'6", 2-something, like huge quarterback. He was like super highly rated getting drafted and just like didn't do anything. Yeah, I gotta he look was, up how big he is. He was Arkansas. He was at least 6'5", for sure, and at least 250. He was wearing a hoodie and jeans, and he, he just looked like... 6'6", uh, 250. There you go. Yep. Yeah, he was uh, he was just fucking enormous. He was yeah he was at Arkansas. He was a stud, I remember. But Tebow won the uh, the Heisman, obviously, and I think the first team uh, all all SEC all SEC that year. But yep. Mallet deserved that because Tebow wasn't a quarterback. <laughs> Whatever. Stacked. Yeah, it was. It was ridiculous. Rest in peace. Yep. Pour one out for my Team, homie. Team's got a lot of bodies. My Connecticut homie. Was he from Connecticut? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, bro. We played against that team. Uh, obviously not him, but we used to scrimmage them every year. And thank God we didn't play them <laughs> at that time because we'd probably be dead. But <laughs> anyway, what's what's been up, man? How's, uh, how's school? How's the remote life? Uh, still doing work like... Like I don't I don't want to say twenty four seven, but like way more than I did when I was teaching in the actual building. It's just way more work to prep and plan. So I'm gonna stop complaining about it eventually. But uh, it feels like I'm on twenty four seven. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm talking to you. I had the Patri- the awful Patriots game open in a side tab on mute, and uh, and I'm looking at the cast notes getting work done for school too. Brutal. Are, are you? Uh, do you have to tutor after hours, bro? Well, we have like built in after after school tutoring time. So it's like it's not really after hours, it's built into the schedule. So okay. I have like open office hours where I'm in a Zoom by myself until the kids come. What the fuck? Kansas City just scored again. Oh, there's a flag. Sorry, this is gonna be a live reaction of me like watching everything fall apart. Um Chinua Chebe style. Bro, what uh, what do you think about um, the the COVID tests in the NFL? Like, you think that the league is gonna? I'm, I'm in a, this fantasy league. I don't. I hate when people talk about fantasy leagues, so I'm not going to. But I'm in one league that I care about, and everyone's convinced that the season's over, and nobody's paying the money yet. It's not like a concern that people aren't gonna pay. They will. It's the fifteenth year or whatever. But nobody thinks that the season's gonna end. What do you think? Oh, I think the season's definitely going to end. And if you take a look at uh, what's going on with... Um, wait, 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 wait. What, what do you mean by end? Like finish, have a conclusion. 
Like, like it not, will go not, to and, the Super Bowl. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, the, like, the 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 season will not will not be ended prematurely. If that's right. what you mean. That's also my stance. There's just too much money on the line, right? Yeah, and if this if this case of the Patriots game right now gives you um gives you any guidance as to what the NFL is doing, you had the quarterback of the Patriots test positive. What right. Saturday? Yeah. And even though nobody tested positive uh, Sunday. They're they're fucking playing today, and the right. stuff like the virus can take a little bit of a, a little while to develop. There's an incubation period or whatever it is. Like, you you have the the one person on the football team that contacts the most people have a positive diagnosis, and you're still playing this game right now. It's uh, you, you like you said, there's just so much money involved that yeah. they're gonna keep on playing, even if they have to go to practice squad players and just like have large quantities of people sit out in quarantine they're going to play these football games yeah i was arguing with my wife about this actually because she was saying that playing with a bunch of practice squad players would be worse than not having a season at all no because because you couldn't play like fantasy football and and they'd find out how many people are tuning in for that reason which is a, kind of a legitimate point, but I think, like, as a football fan, just, like, it's sort of like one of those chef shows. So, this is your wheelhouse right now. It's like one of those chef shows where you have to make a dessert with, like, tuna fish or some shit, right? Oh, like, absolutely. Use, like, weird ingredients. It's so, it's so like, makes coaching more important if you're not dealing with your first-string players. I, I love the idea of, like, what happens if all of your stars might not be there? You have to game plan around your, like your tier two players. Yeah. Um, if you're watching this Patriots game right now, like Belichick is doing an amazing job. And I think a team like the Patriots is built to built to, uh, to work through that because honestly, we've been dealing with second tier wide receivers for, for years. <laughs> yeah, that's true actually. And there's like scouting, you know, like what, what team has the best scouts, you know, like uh, there's the coaching aspect and the the roster depth aspect like how good is your hundredth player you know what i mean let's find out yeah no absolutely plus like the patriots have practice tape on every team (laughs) in the league so we don't we don't have to worry about uh scouting at all did you see that meme with uh tom brady with the uncertain face and it was uh brady trying to figure out how to ask his new coach how to get the uh, other team's practice tapes (laughs) i did not but i'm actually (laughs) i'm actually excited brady's doing well he had a monster game yesterday yeah, he, he did. He's really disappointing me, I'd say. All right. Well, we're ready to talk about magic. I'm sorry. You're ready yeah. to talk about the speaking Walking of, Dead. Actually, yeah. Speaking of washed up, has been sort of uh, white guys. What do you think about Rick, the Walking Dead Rick in humans? Because I mean, it's like, it's kind of the best card in the set, right? When you look at it, you're like, wow, this card, this card's good. It's four mana. And I wish it just had like a like a lowered power toughness uh, to scale it down to three mana because I feel like if that if that card was three mana and had a slightly tuned down effect to balance it, you would absolutely see play in modern humans. Sorry, uh, legacy humans. But Does like, it pump itself? Four? Yeah, it pumps itself. Okay. Um, but still, four mana is a lot. You don't really want to take your vial up to four. Um. I I think that that is definitely the most playable card, and people are probably gonna play it. I don't think it's gonna be like a doom and gloom where that card pushes humans over the edge and everybody is rushing no. to spend two hundred dollars to get four copies of Rick. 
but like Rick is a real card. So is that is that his name, Rick? It's like Rick something. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like Rick, yeah. comma moneymaker for Watsy. Yeah. So yes. Yeah, I don't know, man. I think that it's it's obviously at least tied for the best card. I still think that it's sort of like Glenn, where it's like you could play it if you want. You know what I mean? Like, I, it's not that good where it's like you have to play it or something. Yep. What but if it was it, a sliver? I know that Rick is not a sliver. Yeah. No, if it was a sliver, it'd definitely be more playable because you know you go up to five on the vials there. <sighs> It's tough because it's sort of competing with Palace Jailer too, right? Like you usually have like one card or maybe two copies at your top, your absolute top. Like your vial goes up here, it's because the game's about to end, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's, it's definitely it's definitely a game ender, right? Yeah, potentially, yeah. But is it better than Palace Jailer at that? I, I don't know. It depends on the meta, I guess. Yeah, they do they do different things, but it is uh, it is absolutely playable. Yeah, it probably is better than Palace Jailer right now, honestly. Because it's not like a terminus meta, mm-hmm. but yeah. So that was uh, that was that. I think that the set's on sale now. It it's is kind of weird. Sunday. Uh, it went on sale on Sunday, Sunday yeah. October fourth, and um, I think it's on sale for a week. So like, we all have a week to make up our minds whether or not we're going to buy it. But this has been like the most negatively received product that Wizards has put out. Like, I saw a Facebook advertisement for this. It just randomly popped into my feed, like one of the sponsored posts from Watsy. And it was just a whole bunch of angry faces with, like, why are you doing this? Um, yeah. And I, I don't think that that's just us with, like, the doom and gloom. I think that's that's a lot of people having sort of the same reaction. So. Yeah, I I, I'm actually kind of surprised at how negative it has been. It, I've seen a lot of negative stuff. Uh and dude, have you been getting like Walking Dead ads in your fucking Twitter feed and shit? Uh, well, I think it's because the Twitter algorithm is seeing a bunch of Walking Dead yeah. either tweets or posts and and conflating the interest in the Magic Walking Dead set with the actual Walking Dead. I yeah. think that that's probably the reason why. Yeah, for sure. It's just like uh, it's overkill, man. But yeah, basically. It feels kind of like weird discussing Legacy and, you know, we've talked about this for a couple weeks now. It's like this sort of Damocles hanging over our head, right? Like with uh, with the overall attitude, the, the sort of uh, the vibe in the Magic community right now being so negative or so uh, schizophrenic, paranoid, whatever. That we're, we're just waiting about... for, the, for the horse hair to break. Yeah, there's there's like this overarching, th- this huge storm cloud, right? And so I was sort of thinking about that when I was putting the notes together. Is like, you know, there, there's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know what Maslow's hierarchy of needs is, right? I do. Big, big in education. You need to cover your basic needs before you hit self actualization and the sort of higher tiers on the uh, on the pyramid. Exactly, yeah. The top one is self-actualization. I was sort of thinking about that in terms of my willingness to talk about legacy and the sort of, you know, talking about legacy right now at a time when it seems like there's there's a lot of, like, sky is falling and, you know, it's like uh, the weather report is like, a, you know, a hurricane's coming in or whatever. So there's, you know, your basic needs and, and your safety. 
So like the bottom two levels of the, the Maslow's hierarchy pyramid, I sort of think of those as magic as a whole, right? And then the top three, which are belonging, esteem, and self-actualization, that's sort of like the legacy experience, you know, like belonging to this this sub subgroup, like this little community within legacy. Okay. Or within magic, rather. And then esteem and self-actualization are like, you know, what whatever you make of it. Maybe it doesn't apply to everyone playing the format, but, you know, certainly some grinders or whatever. Some people are very concerned with their results. And, you know, we, we've all been there at a time. Maybe right now we're not. But, you know, if a Grand Prix were to pop up, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that, you know, Legacy kind of hits those top three rungs. But the bottom two rungs, which are, you know, fundamental aspects of the pyramid, are sort of magic the health of magic as a whole and its place in the you know in the zeitgeist right okay yeah i i guess you could say that due to a whole bunch of other various factors uh people who to, to be able to play magic uh and i guess and enjoy yourself you need a whole bunch of other needs met that might not be happening because of the situations in the world is that where right. you're going you're talking about like the well there's that too magic yeah as a whole well, there is, yeah, that's exactly, and, and you kind of hit this right on the head is where I was sort of starting to go with this is like, when we started the podcast, you know, it's a little over two years ago now, we didn't have any of these concerns about like, you know, the the future of paper play, right? Because of the pandemic and everything. Like, Oh, no, magic, like, like legacy was, was it, you know what I'm saying? It was like, I, I don't know. Yeah, we didn't have these huge concerns that we have now for sure. Our concerns at that point were, you know, Magic as a, you know, in terms of, like, the game looking at Legacy specifically, there was, like, concerns over, like, counterfeit cards or the, the quality of the paper of cards and stuff and, and reprints, of course. But our concerns from within were, like, support for the format and, you know, the future of MTGO because Arena was coming on the scene. Yeah. But now it's like there's these fundamental problems where it's not just support for the format. It's like support for paper and organized play in general. And then there's also this sort of frenzied signaling by Hasbro and Watsi that something's seriously wrong or, you know, whatever. That that makes it really hard to sort of just focus on the top three rungs of the pyramid like nothing's wrong, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's, it's it's signaling that something is wrong. I think it's signaling that they're just like like they're focusing more on their bottom line, not because something might be wrong, but because they're looking to maximize profits more. Like the, you can definitely tell that there are some cooks in the kitchen that haven't um, that usually haven't been there right. that have a lot more control over what's going on at Watsi. I think you could say that for sure. Some cocks in the kitchen, maybe. Okay, I I don't I don't I don't get the reference, but isn't that is the guy's the, name, the Chris Cox? Of, is the CEO of Hasbro like named Cox? Yeah, I think so. Oh, that was a really good reference. I I thought I that's smart, what you were doing, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, the uh, you know the events are still going on. Like it, it's kind of weird. Like I'm still playing Zendikar drafts and like. The, the price of the cards is still what it is, right? Like the the set, the overall value of the set, and the queue times are still what they are. They're not as good as, you know, even Akoria was a lot quicker than Zendikar 
you know, like across the board, like one week in, two weeks in, et cetera. Yeah. There were more people in the queue and there were more people playing Accordia. I don't know, you know, set versus set, how that shakes out, what people think of the limited format, because I'm just so far away from paying attention to any of that at this point. But there's still, you know, 17, actually there were uh, 1,776 players in the queue when I was looking at it before. And uh, yeah, there's, you know, it takes a couple minutes for a draft to fire and that's that. Okay. But... We're gonna keep talking about legacy because that's what we do, right? Yeah, obviously. Like that's what that is what we're here for. Bro, what are the people saying? Like you're more, you have your thumb on the pulse, right? This is your wheelhouse. Is like the fans or whatever, the 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 patrons and the the grunt level listeners. Do they are they like you need to talk more about legacy or are they like whatever? Um. So not. It's mostly social and other other aspects being discussed in the discord it's not like uh, a few people are talking about death and taxes a few people have questions about certain decks but it's not it's not like it was years ago like it's that it doesn't we don't have that vibe anymore for sure i gotcha so people are more interested in like uh, what's going on with my stray cat or whatever yes and can you can you fill the listeners in um what's been what's been happening with that how are we how are we doing I actually, the cat actually came into the house today for the first time ever. Like when I put out the food, I leave the door open for, you know, 15 minutes or whatever. Uh-huh. And the cat actually walked in to the house. But uh, in, you know, the bad news is I found out the cat's actually a communist because he, he kept talking about Mao. So I had to kick him out. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe you'll be able to convert him with your um, your <laughs> your socialist uh Bowls, bowls of food and, I left uh, a, yeah. and more milk on the porch. I left a copy of the Fountainhead there for him. We'll see if he reads it. But anyway, the, there was this weekend not just a regular challenge, but a showcase challenge. So more serious, right? Yep. And we've talked about this before. People, The challenges aren't what they were a year ago where people were taking them pretty seriously. We see a lot of more janky decks it's almost like a shift has happened where the the league results and the regular challenge results are kind of the same thing at this point you know what i mean like there, there's obviously not the same number of the top decks represented in the league results but they're the same decks really for the most part except for some serious jank yep but the showcase challenges and above are more serious, more like we'd, we'd think of the challenge being a year ago. So the showcase challenge this weekend was won by Rug Delver, which is Wombo Combo 2020. Bro, the worst name probably I think I've ever seen on, on Moto. <laughs> okay, yeah, I mean, it probably is. It's really bad. It's like uh, like a serious Reddit energy from that name. But second place, Elves by testacular which is a quality name and also in the top four julian playing elves so you know we gotta take our wins where we can get them right we haven't had a whole lot of wins lately we did pick up on the fact that elves was was going to be a serious player pretty early on you know yeah i mean um who is it newton newton was crushing with it um and there was just a ton of people who had really good experiences with it so uh so yeah yeah, for sure. And Newton was in the top 32 as well for this event. 
there was a clean break with the top eight being all six ones and above. So the 7-0 through Swiss was uh, the Power 9 playing Ant. And then we also had Sawatari playing Doomsday. Uh, Sakuragi playing Hogak. May playing White Eldrazi. And XJ Cloud playing DNT. So that's your top eight. Two Elves, DNT, White Eldrazi, Hogak, Ant, Rugdelver, and Doomsday. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, like Dex, Dex we still talked about so many times. It's... Uh... It doesn't seem like it's anything new. All of them. The only new deck that I, the only deck that I want to talk about in this top eight is the White Eldrazi deck because, you know, six and one through the through the Swiss is something, and this deck was constructed with no chalices in the main, so White Eldrazi with thorns in the main and uh, swords to plowshares in the main as well. Yeah. Um... So I, I didn't look too closely at this specific White Eldrazi deck. I thought that it was just sort of... Like, I think I just probably skipped it in my head. Uh, that it was just very similar to the other builds. So, um, mm. so yeah. Yeah, it's pretty wild, man, to, to be, you know, foregoing the power of Chalice. Because these decks, you typically think Chalice is the most powerful card, right? Yeah, but we've seen, we've seen a lot of decks sort of push Chalice to the side... Um, just because of being able to utilize more um, more one drops, so I think that we're seeing the swords to plowshares in there really like kind of making a statement that mm-hmm. maybe that removal is really needed right now. Yeah, for sure. Especially if you're dealing with like like Delver and a ton of elves, but then you think, all right, well, you have you, you Chalice is still very good against Delver. You see it in the sideboard, but. Um, but having that removal main deck, if you're expecting uh, elves, is uh, is pretty big too. Oh, yeah. God damn it, Edelman. Sorry, Edelman uh, just bobbled the pass and Kansas City scored back to back touchdowns. Um, Classic. And uh, I I don't like this. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. This... I, I just, that just put me in like a bad mental state. <laughs> well, this white Eldrazi deck, I wanted to point out. That there are three copies of Shefit Dunes, which is a card that I don't think we ever talked about. It's from Amonkhet. Yeah, that's like the white ability land. You like you like tap some mana and sack it, and it like pumps your team or something. It's the white Ramanop Ruins, where yeah, it comes in untapped. It's a desert, obviously. And you can tap for well, colorless mana, or pay one life to add a white, and then two white white is sacrifice it. And creatures you control get plus one until end of turn. Activate only as a sorcery. So it's really pretty weak, but there's no other option for a dual land, effectively a dual land that's white and colorless, right? Well, um... Brushland? I mean, there is. You can you can play the pain lands, right? Like, it doesn't just have to be colorless and white. It could be colorless white black, colorless right. white green. So, like, this has a marginal upside to those, mm. For sure, right. um, but I would I would question how often you're actually using that ability. Yeah, but even if you use it, you know, one out of a thousand games is still strictly better in the shell, right? I don't know about strictly better. If you play like a Brushland, or you play a um, uh, whatever the white black one is, it 
could signal that potentially you have some sideboard cards that could come yeah, in. Yeah, I could see that with the caves. That, like that's you're, actually... you're already playing Urborg and you have Leyline of Void, Leyline of the Void in the sideboard. Yeah, and I know you're not looking to to hard cast your Leyline, but like, I wouldn't say strictly better. That's but, a good uh, point. That is a very good point because the Plague Engineer, especially against Elves or Delver or whatever, maybe they don't extend into a Plague Engineer they're afraid of. Yeah, I think that I would just want Plague Engineer. That's a good point, man. Especially so when you're already playing like a number of Lotus Petal. I know it's just one, but like you can play a few more Urborg. You can rework the mana base to not play the Dunes and play um, uh, Caves of Coilos or whatever it is. And um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll take that back. I, I like that idea a lot. But yeah, shout out to May. There was also a White Eldrazi deck in, I want to say, 20th place which was Tom Jab. And, you know, they're both White Eldrazi because they're both Displacer or Ancient Tomb decks, but it's almost entirely a different deck, you know, because it's it's the Chalice main deck. Yeah, but uh, I mean, like, it's what? 12? If you look at the actual number of cards that it are completely different in the main deck, it's so not... over 30. How many? It's over 30. Oh, let me... Hold on. Let me completely take back everything that I said. <laughs> well, so you this said, deck has... You said this deck has 20th. It's oh, got it's four, the green-white version. Yeah, four Chalice, four Mox Diamond, three Once Upon a Time, three Ballista, two Heretic Cathar, four Thalias, two Skyclave Apparitions, two Palace Jailers. So, so I like a, the Skyclave Apparition in this build. Look, yeah. if you're able to get the double white... It's super powerful, and your creatures are going to be bigger than whatever you're giving them. Um, yeah. Plus, you have Displacer yeah. to be able to blink the token. I uh, I really like that. Actually, you know what I really like? I like blinking your Skyclave Apparition. Yeah, that's sweet. That's that's kind of cool. Yeah, and you know Tom Cairns pointed that out to, to me after our set review, and I felt like I did miss that, where it's really good in this deck, potentially. But... Having played this deck, I will say that double white is a huge problem, especially you know when you're up against Delver decks and you have like Caracas that's gonna you know is gonna get wasted, right? Yeah. So now were I, you were you playing like a four mox diamond build as well? I was, yeah. When I played this deck, yeah, I was. Bougie. So yeah. I would say that I would be more tempted to play the seventh place list right now because I really like that aspect of it. Even though Palace Jailer and Skyclave Apparition are without a doubt more powerful cards i would play uh, i would play this list more because i think i i want to play these cards more right i, I right. get that you're like the other deck probably is better but i want to i want to play with the cards in the 20th place list right yeah no every deck i built was a lot closer to this 20th place list but when i saw the seventh place list i was like you know there, there's something very clean a very aesthetic very appealing about this list so even though it's not where i would have gone with the deck i can respect it okay so yeah it's just some you know there was a clean break at 6-1 so i feel like we don't really have to talk about the ninth to to 32nd place list so much but i wanted to mention that unlike the the regular challenges there's no oops in this top 32 even though oops was like the story of the week exactly right did you did you see that people were like, "What's it going to take to ban Oops?" And I was like, Oops. "No, really." I saw I saw somebody say that. Well, there is it's something that I had in the show notes. I'm not sure if it survived the cup, but I was I was doing this sort of list of linear decks, right? Like 
what percentage, you know, how linear is the deck and, and what percentage of the meta does it have to hit before it's a real problem. And Oops sort of occupies a space all by itself, even worse than like Black Red Reanimator or, you know, a deck like that where it's just really not not interested, right? Okay. I think I had, let me, I cut it from the notes, but I had like, here we go. Oops, Belcher, Living End, Black Red Reanimator, Blue Green Omni, Urza Echo, Tess, Hogak, Breakfast. And then there's sort of a cutoff line where I don't mind playing against the decks. All right, so you have like your breakdown for how. Yeah. Yeah, for how. Uh... For how awful interesting the, the matchup is yeah okay so I, I was just thinking about like what percentage of the meta has to be below that line before i don't enjoy playing and i, I think it's it's well it has to be over 20 percent right Wait, and we're nowhere near that i i would say that if if more than 20 percent of the decks were below that threshold that i've set oh yeah it'd be it'd be miserable yeah yeah like you're averaging playing one of those a league you're just like hoping to dodge just a matchup that like is no fun to play with no interaction. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, basically, I, I think we're okay. But Strifo and Ecoscuro, I wanted to point out. Ecoscuro playing Sneak and Show. Strifo playing his deck, obviously. Mm-hmm. Both playing one of the Seagate Restorations. Uh, so one in Sneak and Show and one in Strifo's sort of control-ish build, whatever, four-color c- cocaine control, whatever you want to call it. Yep. So, you know, people still trying that card out. Uh, 30th and 32nd, which were both 4 and 3, worth noting, but they're both Nick Fit decks, but totally different. One is very pluggy, and the other is a Seagate Stormcaller Alluren build, which, I don't know, we can talk about if you want, but... I don't really want to. I think the combination of, uh, I don't know, a whole bunch of a whole bunch of creatures that you're trying to play with Alluren and... Uh, and that card just might not work well together. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting, but, you know, it kind of is what it is. In the the regular challenge on, on Saturday, I believe it was, or it might have been Sunday, was uh, not a whole lot to talk about, but I did want to point out in the top four there was a Moon Stompy deck, which was Basuda. Mm-hmm. And Basuda was playing three Shatter, Cull- Shatter Skull Smashings in Blood Moon Stompy. So I thought that was really pretty cool. Yeah, that's definitely definitely the first time we've really seen that. Yeah, and we talked about it. It's like a Rolling Thunder, or a, it's the, it's the bolt it's the, it's the, like the red spell land. Yeah, yeah. So I, I said that the, it was like completely unplayable, and you said no. And Stompy, I think that it could it could see play because of this this and this, and it turns out you were right. Well, I'm not right. I mean, this is one deck, but. But it, it is interesting that people are playing it, yeah. Yeah. So we'll see where that lands. You know, it, it's pretty cost-free because of how many of those games involve Turn 1 Blood Moon, so it's, you know, kind of is what it is. But I don't know. We'll see how good it is, I guess. Yeah. And also uh, 5-0 in the league for Basuda. And then the only other deck I wanted to highlight in this uh in this regular challenge was uh, Pish 10 in the top eight with four Valakid Explorations in the lands deck. Yeah, I just like, obviously I don't have as much experience with lands as some other people, but I just, I feel like you probably just want not another fucking interception. 
<laughs> you probably want Sylvan Library, and you probably don't want Brian Hoyer, and you don't want Jared Stidham. Did I say Charlie Hoyer before? Brian Hoyer. But, yeah, basically, Valakid Exploration, we talked about this last week. It kind of seems like a bad Sylvan Library. There are situations where it's better, certainly, but it's three mana. Yep. It, it, but it is also an alternate win condition. So I think, honestly, if I were playing lands and really trying to do well, not just testing a card, I think I might be on like a 2-2 split of Sylvan and Valakit. All right, just, I, to see, just to see how it develops. Yeah, I like that alternate win condition aspect of it. Okay, but yeah, I got you. We'll, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with that. And yeah, that's it for the challenge. So, bro, the first deck in the league... This is flow true, dice factory. I I put this on the show notes and I looked at it for a second. It's like a you know an eight carn stompy deck with uh, with foregoing chalice. Like what the fuck is this deck, bro? You can you explain this to me? Yeah, you're just charging up your astral cornucopias and tomes, and this deck is crazy. Like. I know it's playing Surge Node and Voltaic Key, but you have all of the double lands to be able to play a turn one Chalice. You're um, you're not even playing any like, uh, l- like the the two drop, um, make everything more expensive. Yeah. You're playing Trinisphere on the sideboard, but you're not playing any of the two rocks. Mm-hmm. This this deck is weird. It's like, what is this deck trying to do though? Like, I see all the cards with with counter stuff going on and i see ensnaring bridge and i see the maze mind uh maze mind tomes and stuff but and mystic forge i, I see how it vomits it out but is it just karn is 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 karn just is this like a turn one karn deck uh well i think it's more of just like a like a throw karns at you deck and if you're they're able to answer all of your karns then you have cards like the tome and the forge that are able to churn out more karns yeah, so it's so, just Karns. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, man. I, I don't understand why this deck is, but... Well, it's a league, again. Like, hashtag right. league. True. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I don't have a whole lot to say about this deck. I, I don't really understand. If, if somebody wants to clue us in, I guess, but I don't I don't see the appeal or what this deck might be doing better than... A, a deck a similar sort of stompy deck right oh for sure so i wanted to shout out walked for playing uh doomsday fins you know we had adrian on recently and i felt like this this deserved a shout out because it's a tin fins deck with four doomsdays in the sideboard it's not like a wish deck or anything like that it's just uh just doomsday just tin fins a sideboard plan yeah yeah, your um, uh, your children can get back life loss from Doomsday too, right? Oh, I didn't think about that. Probably. Uh, da, 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 life you lost. Search. Put the lose. Yeah. 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 yeah I'm pretty sure, sure that interaction works. Obviously, you're not going to be able to like do that multiple times. I guess like your Doomsday is just going to make your library too small to be able to try to try to do anything with that, but. It's right. uh, it's nice to be able to have that option, I guess. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Uh, so the next deck, bro, uh, River Mouse, Wayward Burn. 
this this is more you know we we looked at that rolling vortex deck last week this is more what i had in mind with with the wayward beast what is going on with street wraith it's it's just street wraith right but like for what i don't know reason i honestly i don't know i there's no synergy that i see okay like, we couldn't come up with an extra two cards to be able to put in this deck. So we put in Street Wraith <laughs> to to make sure that we, uh, I don't know. Oh, this is just so bad. Yeah, I don't like the Street Wraith at all. But this is 14 Mountains and a Spirit Guide in a burn why, deck. So... Why not just play one more Mountain? Yeah. I don't okay. I, I just I don't I don't like this at all. I just don't. So there's don't. there's four goblin guides, four swift spears, and four wayward guide beasts. So you have your turn ones covered. Obviously you don't want to play guide beasts on one, but maybe you only have one mountain, so it's fine. And then four chain lightnings, four lava spikes, four rift bolts, four skewer the critics, so you have a solid density of one mana spells, and then four lightning bolts. I sorry I should have added that. Then two Pyrokinesis, two Sonic Burst, four Fire Blast, and three Crater Makers, which is really a strange inclusion in this deck. But yeah, I mean, it gives you it gives you outs. Uh, like it allows you to take care of a Chalice if you get hit with it. Um, but I like, I guess I like the Wayward Guide Beast in a shell like this because you're only playing 14 lands, so your mana development like doesn't matter. Right. There's a very good chance that that Guide Beast actually will just double your access to mana. Um, yeah, that is true. It, there's a you know if you're trying to cast a two spell with only one land, it's it sort of has the gush effect, right? Yep. Or uh, or even just double one spell. So there's uh there's that, which is nice. Yeah, for sure. I feel you on that. But this is uh you know, it's it's a valid deck. I, I certainly wouldn't say that it's better than burn or anything, but it's another way to build the deck. The street wraiths are really strange. I don't understand why they're there, but mm, I don't either. But is what it is, I guess. Yeah, it's whatever. Uh, someone was playing... Let me see who it was. It was... Shima now was playing Merfolk. The, the Paradigm Shift seems to be like the Merfolk deck now. But I wanted to shout it out because there are four Thieving Skydivers in here, which is a card that we were both really pretty high on during yep. the set review. And it's the first time we've seen it show up. I don't think we mentioned in the set review that it was a Merfolk, or I think we did... It was a Merfolk Wizard, right? No, it's a Merfolk Rogue, Rogue. and I think we mentioned it because it's not not a human or a wizard, which is kind of nice. Okay. But I didn't even... I don't think we mentioned it can just go in Merfolk because it's a Merfolk, right? Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's pretty nice. It's not something we thought about, but it is pretty nice. And still a good good card. I played against it in draft. I'm I'm as sold on it as ever was. I think it's a really a pretty sweet card. Mm-hmm. And you know, if if the decks are around that would play it, that I think that they're going to play it. And then there's also four glass pool mimics in this deck, which is a card we definitely did not talk about. It's coming to play tapped island, uh, not you know taps for blue, but it's on its front. It's a two and a blue clone. Uh, can only copy one of your own creatures, and it's a shapeshifter rogue in addition to his other types. Okay. So, you know, Cologne, this is something that this deck's always been in the market for. Like, they used to play, uh, what's that Phyrexian card called? 
Uh, I thought it played Phantasmal Image. There you go. That's the one. Phantasmal yeah. Image. Yeah, the Phyrexian one was Phyrexian Metamorph. I'm sorry. Yep. They, I mean, you're, they're both very similar. Yeah. No, you're right, though. But uh, this card, you know, it seems to fit in this deck. It's This is one of the decks that I didn't think of that could definitely use these lands. So seems like a valid choice. Unless nice. you go down to 16 lands overall. And then pitches the force, you know, all that all that good stuff we talked about with the other blue ones, blue tap lands, so. And Chromox, you can imprint it on a Chromox, so you're really using all parts of the Buffalo here. Yes, you are. And yeah, the the last deck, I guess, from the challenge. No, I'm not terribly interested in this. It's Grumsh with goblins, but also brainstorming days. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. <laughs> Just, uh, I don't know. I guess you never really expect days out of a um, Goblin Lackey deck. But, like, right. being able to protect your Goblin Lackey with a daze seems pretty sweet. It's so, definitely pretty gross, yeah. Yeah, I, um, I, I like the idea. But it seems like some of those things that Goblins is really good at doing, like grinding out your long games with a uh, ringleader and all sorts of things like that. You're playing one ringleader. Um, you're really kind of kind of going all in on the beatdown plan. Like you're playing three pile driver. Um, you're, you're not looking to win a really long grindy game with this version of the deck for sure. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I'm not sold on this at all. And I think like, you know, you, you play your lackey on turn one, and then you protect it with a daze, and you put your muxes into play, then you reveal, you know, extra land, daze, brainstorm to your muxes. It's, like, not what you're trying to do, right? Yeah, it's true. So even though, it, you know, brainstorm is obviously a good card, and daze is obviously a good card, it's really not what Goblins is trying to do. So even though, you know, you can do well with this deck, and there there are selling points to it, I really kind of underwhelmed with the idea yeah so yeah it sounds like we're on the same page with that uh also wanted to shout out archon of Amiria finally showed up in ace and man's dnt sideboard uh basuda like we talked about four shatter skull smashing in the moon stompy deck and this is the most disappointing thing i think i've seen in a long time nate after six or seven years i want to say playing legacy on moto our boy Nate from the Eternal Durls podcast finally gets his first 5-0. Wait. It's an adult man. No. It's not his first. I'm just fucking around, but... Okay. My, I was but, like, whoa, is that for real? Nah, I don't know. I'm just okay. fucking... I'm just bansing him. But the 5-0 with fucking oops all spells belcher. It's a, it's a oops deck with two belchers in it. I don't know if that's like a normal thing, but... I don't you think know, so, but... Uh, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's blue-black Belcher, is, or blue-black Oops Belcher, and it's just an all-in glass cannon making a mockery of the format in traditional Nate fashion, I would say. So I can respect what he's doing in that he's trying to maybe shine a light on this, maybe taking up our challenge of, you know, who would actually play an Oops deck. You know, maybe he's just... Voting yes in that poll? I don't know. But Vincent Adult Man, congratulations on the on the five vote. Big ups. Hope you 
Yeah, I hope you enjoy your uh, your treasure chests and all that. Hope you open some Allosaurus Riders. There you go. Get, get those Allosaurus Riders, baby. Bro, can you even get that set where you are? Uh, I mean, I haven't tried, but I know that they were like, they were going to release a Wave 2, but it, uh, it was having delays because of printing issues. So I don't, I don't know if Wave 2 ever came out. Um, but I think that I saw that card selling for $100 in a Facebook group. Yeah. In paper. So um, that's mighty, mighty crazy. But I mean, Bro, they're just going to reprint it in a Commander deck anyway. Like, wait, wait six months to a year. And, uh, and it'll, see, it'll see another printing. Oh, definitely. Definitely. But I think that uh, I've, you know, when I've been like in like malls or GameStop or whatever and they have magic cards, Target, you know, I'll look for Jumpstart, just see if it's there and it's never there. I w- I've only been to one magic store since I moved to Cleveland, but they didn't have it. It just seems like it's just not available, you know? Mm-hmm. And from what I understand, there's actually kind of a lot of those like short printed things going on right now. Like there's a supposedly like a, a three or four month backup on the secret layers actually being shipped out when people have ordered them. Okay. And I'm pretty sure, I mean, I didn't actually confirm this. I just saw it on Twitter over the past week that Commander Legends was supposed to come out in like a few weeks and it's officially been delayed now. Oh, I thought it was officially delayed a while ago. Oh, okay. It's possible that I missed it, and that would make sense because I tried to to look it up when I was doing the show notes. And I couldn't find anything. Okay, maybe maybe I'm just uh, yeah, maybe I'm just wrong. No, but is Commander Legends? I I, I don't want to be like, you know, giving people the wrong information or just talking my ass here. I assume that it's like a set with potential new cards in it. Is that true? I thought so. Yeah, there are new card spoilers for it, so it definitely has new cards. Okay. Yeah, so and they seems... like they made yeah. some new, um, uh, like there's a colorless partner commander that allows you to like choose what color it is when oh, it's a commander. Right. Yeah. So you can, um, when you're drafting your deck, if you get like, I don't know, you you have to switch colors or do something like that. You can like pick that as a common and uh, partner your commander to get another color. Gotcha. Yeah, well, that that seems uh, very relevant for draft only, I guess. But yeah, but I mean, I'm sure that like there will be somebody who has a partner where they're like, all right, I don't really like this card, um, but I want another color. Let me use that. Or people who just want to like completely like spit in the face of the spirit of commander and just play like blue black combo and not really use their commander. I don't know. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, but. Yeah, so have, have all the Commander Legends cards been spoiled? Like, should we do a set review or what? Mm, I'm not sure about that. Okay. Well, anyway, I guess it's delayed. I'm not sure when it's delayed, too. I guess we should do our homework. I should do better research next time. So, also, if anybody has any guest recommendations, we're kind of, I'm kind of, like, at an impasse right now because we've sort of been needing to get a guest on the past two weeks, and I don't know who to invite. So if anybody has any recommendations who they want to hear from, you know, I, I would, we would be more than, uh, more than happy to entertain your requests because I feel like you need to tweet that maybe make, uh, make a comeback from not being on social media to, uh, to put the word out there for sure. Yeah, no, definitely. And yeah, we will probably, if, if you have a good request, we'll honor it. 
you know, I can't, I can't necessarily say that you'll have good requests, but we'll see. So if people want to tweet at you because they're intimidated by me, how can they do that? You can find me at tsmileymtg. You can follow the cast at deadformatcast. Deadformatcast at gmail.com. If you want to, if you feel more comfortable over email, maybe you're not on Twitter, maybe you're smart, maybe you don't <laughs> want to, uh, maybe you realize that, you know, you might be developing a case of dopamine diabetes on Twitter. Yeah, and... you can find it on Parlor. <laughs> yeah, hit me up on Gab. Uh, no, not really. Uh, but on Twitter, Ian18125 and deadformatcast at gmail.com. Holler at your boys. 